0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Meara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're
1: talking about historical fiction with author E.R. Ramzapur. But first, what are you reading, Bria? So this wonderful thing happened to me this week. Oh my gosh. I was, I got an email from the library and it said, would you like to check out this book? It is a, what do they call it? Have you had this happen? I don't know hold on it's um you gotta tell me it's called like it's like a quick checkout or a
0: um oh yeah they do it as a promo and you only get it you get it quickly but you seven, only get it for like a you week. get it
1: immediately yeah um what do they call it? oh i can't see what it's called anyway um it's like a quick checkout i'll i'll, I'll figure out what it's called um, where it's like, you, you, it's like for a buzzy book, they and they have certain copies, they only lend out for seven days. I, they do with physical copies, I yeah. know. This is like a big thing because you can go and find a really popular book at the library, but it'll be like on this one specific shelf and where you it's like, fucking this shit is it. like due in seven days. You've got to have it back in seven days. But I got an email about it, and I got an e-book that's that. And so I wow, checked it out, and it's book? um City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, I want to read there's that. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. There's zero of 255 e-copies available. Holy shit. There's so because it's so popular. I'm like 25% of the way through. It is due back in two days. I've heard um, it's amazing. So I have to really, really fly the next couple of days. Um, I love it. It's so good. If you haven't heard about it, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who is friend of Maximum Fun, actually, yeah. Um, she wrote she, this book is a, it's a fiction book about a woman uh, who is like uh, just she failed out of college and her parents sent her away to New York to live with her aunt who runs a um, it's like post vaudeville style theater, so like nineteen forties ish, and and it's all written from the point of view of a of a, an older woman who's writing a letter about her life. So it's about her life, and essentially it's like her going and meeting all these like cool showgirls and hanging out with them and like having sex with random men in the city. And it's just like it's like right now it's a really charming life, which is super fun. Um, the the whole premise of the book is that I guess Angela, this woman Angela, wrote the woman, the main character of the book, and says, I need to know about your relationship with my father now that he's dead. And so she's kind of telling it, but she's telling it through her life story. Huh, okay. It's great. It's so fun. The writing is so good. Like, I really like it. It's it's really wildly entertaining. I will say about 25... percent of the way through and there has already been like trigger warning for sexual assault so Ooh. not all fun and games uh but there but it is a very fun read so far um one of my friends was reading it when she came to visit me in bulgaria and she was like you have to read this book you're going to love it it involves theater and i was like okay i'm so excited i can't believe i got i feel like the luckiest person in the world i don't know why i got this offer how do they decide who gets it i don't it? know i guess whenever it comes up it probably just comes up i think and it's, they're like, your you're special, your next- Bria on the list that's what we know you wanted to read this they're like we know about theater
0: uh, the book fairies over at the library heard your prayers so true what are you reading so i well you remember a few weeks ago when i said i was going to go away for my birthday and i was going to read some happy books Mm-hmm. I fucking lied. Okay. <laughs> I read two books while me and Jeremy were on vacation. I I finished Wilder Girls by Rory Power, which was great. And then while I was, so we were like laying by this lake, and I'm finishing Wilder Girls, and Jeremy is reading this book called The Nest by Kenneth Oppel. Uh huh. And as he's reading it, he's like getting closer and closer to me, and like by the end, he's like. Cuddling me, and I'm like, Oh, this is babe, so nice. It's my birthday. This is great. And then he, like, immediately when he finishes it, rolls over and goes, This is fucked up. You have to read it immediately. And gives me the book, and I read it the next day. And this book might be my favorite book of the year. Wow. It did not come out this year. It's not a new book. Uh, it was illustrated by a man named John Classen It's a middle grade book. So it's middle grade horror, the scariest book I've read all year. Wow. It blew my mind. I read it in one sitting. It is. Uh, it is the most profound and, and, and terrifying and brilliant look at childhood anxiety I've ever ever read. Wow, it's incredible. It's about this little boy. He's like I don't know, probably like nine, I think. And his family just his family just had a baby, but the baby was born with some genetic. Uh, deformity. Like, there's something wrong with the baby. He, like, you never really 100% find out what. Um, but he starts having this, and his family's like dealing with all this hospital stuff, and he starts having these nightmares about this wasp nest that's outside his house, and the wasps apparently are growing a new baby to replace yeah. the other baby. Oh. With. I thought you meant a wasp baby. No, like a human baby. Wow. Okay. And it is it, it blew me away it, it blew me away i already talked about it on twitter and i try to only talk about books one place so i can talk about more books but this book just like i literally i read it in one sitting and i stood up and i looked at jeremy and i went jesus fucking christ and we both just like yelled for a few minutes and then i was like can we get comfort soup and he's like yes i think we need some soup because it like it will tear you open Soup. it will fucking gut you <laughs> but it is incredible i cannot stop gushing about this book i love it so much i can't like it's middle grade and it's so scary It is just, oh, it's amazing. So that's The Nest by Kenneth Oppel, and it is uh, illustrated by John Klassen. And mine is City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Shannon wrote in, I have a fun story to tell you about a book that traveled a pretty long distance. I work at a library in North Central Texas, and we received Blue, a donation. North Central Texas. This book, which is The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by, Indian by Sherman Alexie, was originally part of a free book program in Washington State. So somehow this little free library book made its way halfway across the country to our library. We're going to add it to our own little free library collection to continue this little book's journey. Yeah. You remember when people – when you used to put that on dollar bills? Oh, yeah. I think it's really cute to do it with a book. You could put like a little post-it in there or something.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. like that. You don't even have – you could just write it on the book. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anna has a hot book tip wow wow, wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was really cute <laughs> hot book tip
1: that was oh. really well coordinated uh, you should do it in like a like a you know this there's always like a bass singer of like a duo group book where like, hot book tip we <laughs> like <laughs> um People sometimes lend me books whether I ask them or not, and sometimes I keep them for a million years and need a way to remember which generous friend lent me what. I made a spreadsheet on Google Drive to keep track of the title, the owner, and the date loan so I can remember how long I've had it and prioritize the ones I've had the longest. What a organized person Anna is. I know. You could keep a sheet to track of, tra- keep track of who has your books as well if you're worried about forgetting who is borrowing what. I have a friend that has a lending library um, of um, DVDs um and he gave yeah and he gave me a card and it's like a lending library card. it's like a vhs dvd card video store card and then he has a little sheet that he writes on it next to his bookshelf where he's like you have this and it's
0: this date that's smart yeah and then he does a strong follow-up good yeah i I mean i think that's really cool he should like get he should get a graphic designer like do a little like rob's dvds it
1: is like really the card's really cool i'll show it to you it's like a very
0: someone designed it that's amazing yeah so jen wrote in with a wheelhouse that is dystopian stories Mm -hmm. mysterious monsters fairies in the modern world oh i like that too lgbtq characters uh punk goth characters troubled youths and anything that scares me which is hard to do can i just say i have trouble with punk goth characters sometimes because i'm like not true enough to life yeah, I definitely. Well, that's why I was really impressed with Grady Hendrix's "We Sold Our Souls" because as a goth metalhead, I'm sniffing out for authenticity here.
1: Yeah, and um, I, just like as a person who used to play music and hangs out with people who play music, there's often so much like I feel like it doesn't. In movies, I have a big hard. I have a hard time with it. I'm always like, that's yeah. not. That's not what it's like to be in a punk rock band. I was in a punk rock band, and I like feel like I have like yeah. a real, a real anger towards it
0: yeah you but but if it's done right then i am impressed you can tell that like when a punk or gob character is written by like a 50 year old white dude who wears khakis every day yeah like, you don't fucking know shit <laughs> you've never put a safety pin through your own belly button <laughs> <laughs> you know what's up um, I got mine pierced
1: by the local veterinarian in my town He did oh, I it with love some story. Uh, cow th- with like what you tag a cow with. That is incredible. Well, I, I did that's it. My- that's why it is in my head. I don't actually know if that's true.
0: I Well, no, I did it myself with a safety pin and then it didn't look very good. So then I got it done professionally. Mm-hmm. At Claire's a, boutique? No. Claire's, would Claire's do a belly button? I think so. I think they just did ears. Oh, maybe. Uh, but I think it was a tattoo shop. Oh, yeah. Which, I was I got it done when I was sixteen, and I was like, I'm only two years away from getting tattoos. (laughs) Counting the days. So, quick bookmark. We just want to remind everyone that we're closing in on the last few weeks of our reading classes book club summer book pick, um, which is an elderly lady is up to no good. Uh, So, we're gonna have it finished, like finished reading by next weekend, and then Sunday, September first, we're gonna have a live stream book club for it. Uh, we will very exciting as soon as tune we, in. I
1: started reading it. It is you think you're like, Oh, this is gonna be one thing. Let me tell you, it is
0: about a elderly lady who's basically a psychopath. So get ready for it. I am extremely excited about it. Um it's gonna be great. And if you want to talk about it, join in with us. There's going to be a, go- a live Google Hangouts. You guys can ask questions. We'll all talk about it. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun time. It's our It, it ticks off a box of uh, on the Reading Glasses uh, uh, yearly reader challenge of participating in a book club. It's a translated book. Yeah, take two uh, for one. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. So that will be Sunday, September 1st. And so have the book read by next weekend. Uh, so you can email us at reading at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and before we talk about historical fiction with er ramsepore we're going to take a quick break
1: mallory bria do you ever wonder who done it only when i'm reading a mystery or a thriller uh,
0: i love a mystery and a thriller and so do our listeners this episode is brought to you in part by the great courses. And one of the courses that we've been enjoying is The Secrets of Great Mystery and Suspense Fiction. So, this genre is obviously a global phenomenon, and the course explores the authors who made it what it is. So, that's Agatha Christie, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, others, as well as the elements of the genre that continue to thrill readers everywhere.
1: And, who done it? And who you done may it? learn it. Who done it? The, who did this mystery?
0: Who done the who done it? <laughs> who who been doing the who done it? Who who's been doing the who done it? And with the Great Courses Plus streaming service, you can learn more about virtually any topic from engaging ex- experts in their fields, and you can get unlimited access to thousands of lectures on topics like publishing your own book, which is something that uh, people who listen to the show are interested very in. very interested in. Symbolism f- behind fairy tales, which is clearly something Bria and I don't know that much about. That's true. You can learn a new language. You can take better photos and with the great courses plus app you have the flexibility to watch it or listen to it just about anywhere if you're bria grand you can do it while you're at the step machine at the gym it's totally
1: true i love watching stuff on my phone at the step machine
0: it's you can learn a language while you're stepping
1: so get that awesome feeling of pride that comes with knowledge and find out it for the end who did do it who did who who done Did it it.
0: (laughs) so you get if you want to know all that and more you can sign up for the great courses plus and for a limited time only they are offering our listeners an entire month for free think about how many cool lectures and courses that you could listen to or watch during an entire month for free for free think about how much college costs expensive (laughs) extremely expensive and this costs nothing free so but you, you have to use our promo cl- code, okay? You have to sign up using our special URL, which yeah. is com slash glasses. And that's com slash glasses. And we made this offer last
1: time. If you go and you learn something on The Great Courses Plus, write us a little email. Tell us how it went. We want to read it on the show.
0: Tell us those facts. Tell I mean, us all the facts. That's what we all really live for, right, is that did you know moment. Mm-hmm. We will give that to you. So just email or tweet us. So that's com slash glasses. Glasses.
2: Industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: It's all about historical fiction, but isn't almost all fiction historical fiction? That's the question this week. So doesn't everything happen in it the past? In, what, what is time? What, what, <laughs> is, what is time? That's the real question we're going to address this week. <laughs> what makes a book historical fiction? So luckily we've got author E.R. Ramsboer in the studio today to talk all about it. Evan, what are you reading right now?
2: that is a great question so i'm reading this book called call your daughter home by <gasps> deb spira oh
0: i was know. on the show oh deb my god was, guest of the was show. she really yes i know yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, deb. deb and i did a bunch of events together earlier this year the book's been sitting by my bed for it's wicked good <laughs> like it's at least so two months and i feel really bad it's really good
2: it's wicked good yeah and the audiobook is also excellent too. does
0: deb read it
2: no no they have these I have two or three voice actors and they're just amazing what oh, is the rundown awesome. of the book again i will let evan do it <laughs> so it takes place sort of at the turn of the century when this uh bull weevil epidemic not epidemic because they're bugs this bull weevil weevil, bull I hate, weevil I hate infestation it could be an epidemic yeah is exactly is
0: plague? is plague too strong i know right I mean, it
2: feels biblical
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's go with yeah That'd right work.
2: so a plague of bull weevils have infested a bunch of farms in in the south um, and basically ravaged their cotton crops. And so it follows the stories of these women who are trying to rebuild across these different class barriers and race barriers. Um, and even though they have uh, such great differences, they end up uniting to kind of solve these tremendous problems that they're dealing with. And it's a time period that I knew nothing about. And I really never read any Southern fiction or Southern Gothic. So it's it's been really cool to experience that. Yeah, I, I love that book. Uh, so speaking
0: of... and. Um Speaking of historical fiction, can you tell us about your new book that is out this week, uh, The Ventriloquists?
2: Yes. So it is based on this true story of um, ragtag resistance fighters who write, print, and distribute a satirical Nazi newspaper in 18 days. Oh, wow. Um, And I like to describe it because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I describe it as Ocean's Eleven meets All the Light We Cannot See. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) And what year year does it take place? 1943. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: So what exactly is historical fiction so the historical novel society says that it has to be set at least 50 years before it was written although it was funny the other day i saw a friend of the show eric smith was tweeting about how the 90s are historical fiction and i think that's bullshit i don't know because when you read it it feels really dated i was reading that
1: book that book girl but uh recommended by amber benson it's called girl yeah and it's set in the
0: 90s and when i read it i'm like
2: feels super dated. But
0: I think 50 years is a good number. You're the expert.
2: What do you think? <laughs> yeah. You're kind I, of the I, expert. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on calling the nineties historical fiction, because that means that basically, like if I wrote <laughs> my relic. life story, I, I would be, it would be historical <laughs> That's fiction what I'm apparently. It,
0: it, like, is it just because it makes us feel old? Is that why?
2: But it's like if you see the outfits that people wore in the nineties, I get the same feeling looking at those as I do like looking at outfits from a hundred years ago. It's true, but is it weird <laughs> that I still own some of my clothes
1: in the nineties? Like I know them and I looked at i look at them and i'm like it's popular again like i can like re-wear some of those like, clothes i held on to this fanny pack I, know. <laughs> God, I wish i had a fanny pack i've been thinking about sidebar really thinking about investing in a fanny pack recently for when i'm working nope can't, okay can't fit a book in it oh yeah but for when i'm working because I, <laughs> I need a lot of pens and pencils and like i lose them and i would like to have that in a small notebook in there it's practical. Uh, it is totally practical. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so we're saying 50 years. So that would be – the year right now is 2019. So it would be – I lo-
0: love that you're asking me to do math. Bria, you're better at this than I am. It would be uh, 1970. 79. Yeah. So
2: that means something that takes place in the 80s isn't historical fiction?
1: Yeah. And see, I feel huh. like it is. And yeah. that's because I was born in the 80s and it feels
0: like a <laughs> historical So then what's the rule? Wait. Did I do that math wrong just now? I did. I think it's s- –
1: 69
2: 69 69 yeah 69, 89 99 <laughs> i rounded <laughs> yes okay okay 69 this is, not a, yeah, this is, this is a, not a math podcast this is not a math podcast um well, anyway
1: so we're saying 80s does feel historical is historical 90s, fiction just
0: is the rule of thumb just when do you feel old <laughs> then it's historical fiction <laughs>
1: and then no it's then you don't count it as historical fiction. right oh, yeah right if it like if it like it makes something make you feel uncomfortable in your body because you're like, oh, no, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden not, it's not historical fiction. Then it's not
2: historical okay. fiction. All
1: right, that's what we'll count it as. Personally,
2: I feel like the way, way I think about it is that if the the time period where the story takes place is germane to the story, like if that if that isn't plays into the plot, the characters, their lives is, are really affected by the time period, then that to me is historical fiction. Oh,
1: interesting. So, like, I could write something... Let's see, I could write <laughs> something that's, like like, is really... The Iraq War is really important, or something like that. You right. know, like or uh, George W. the the original George Bush. Right. You know, like if it's about him, then it's like, oh, that is kind that's of historical. that feels like historical fiction. Right? When I say it out loud, actually, yeah. yeah. When I'm like, oh, when I was like protesting in the '90s, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, it does yeah. feel historical fictionish. I right. actually
0: think that's a really good point because one of um, I'll talk about it a little bit more later. My favorite historical fiction writer is Sarah Waters, and. Basically, all of her books are historical fiction, but some of them feel like historical fiction, but some of them don't. Like, there's a book that she has that I love because it's her horror book. It's The Little Stranger, which is essentially a haunted house book. I love that book. Oh, it's so fucking good. But it doesn't feel historical fiction because it really mostly takes place in this one house. So they're not really interacting with what's going on in the time period. But her other books, uh, like Fingersmith and Tipping the Velvet, feel more like historical fiction because the characters are interacting with politics or things of the time. Hmm. So I think maybe that's the rule. Like whenever you feel old, and if the characters have to have to take some sort of weird old timey transportation, then it's historical
1: fiction. If they are using a dial up modem, <laughs> then it is definitely historical fiction. Yes, I went through a tour of a, a, a communist um, a communist apartment, like what it, it was like, what a communist apartment was like in the nineties, and they literally explained how phones worked and phone books, like in the tour of the thing, and I was just like. I know how to fucking phone book works. <laughs> like it was like really but I, I felt
0: <laughs> But a child would not. No, if you were no. like
1: nineteen, which a lot of the people when they were like backpackers, like taking the tour of this Bulgarian communist department. Like this is what it was like is in this Bulgaria. What you do for fun? Yeah, I love No, you know what
0: was it John who made you? No, do no, us? I was
1: in Bulgaria by oh. myself. <laughs> uh, I uh, no, I love weird museums. Okay, yeah. I'm Any fair. weird I actually yeah. go when I arrive at a place I Google weird museum name of city. You can go to Atlas yeah. Obscura.
0: What's that? It's a great Ooh. website. It's your oh. new best friend. It's your oh. new best friend. That's where what I yeah. put in. It's a it's a website that has highlights like weird museums and weird landmarks and weird stuff all over the world. I'll, oh. I'll send it to you. You'll yeah, love that it that it's sounds like it's it's so That's that's shit. what I
1: want. Like the tiny museum that's curated by someone who lives there right. or something. Like here's yeah. someone who's just like this was in my closet and now
0: you can look at it. And yeah. I'm like that's
1: what I would like to see. Right. Oh, for sure. Yes, that's my favorite.
0: Um, so well, we're also ignoring the other end of historical fiction. So historical fiction could be set hundreds of years ago or even thousands of years oh, ago. Oh, true. Historical fiction is all, like, literally all of history. And of course, you can also have any genre of historical book. It could be more romantic, a thriller, a mystery, whatever. It's basically where the stories or characters are made up, but the setting or the events surrounding the stories are mostly real. And so, uh, what are time periods that you both love to read historical fiction about? Evan, you obviously must be sort of World War II nerdy.
2: <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> I actually don't read that much historical fiction set uh, during World War II. I read a lot of nonfiction set during World War II. Oh. Um, and, and the reason for that is I feel like, and the ventriloquist is kind of a response to this, um, a lot of the World War II fiction that I've consumed kind of either focuses on these romantic stories or these are what the soldiers did on the battlefield. And obviously, you know, nothing against those stories. There's room for for those stories as well. Um, but the thing that I've always been curious about is what was the everyday experience mm-hmm. of just ordinary people who were on the home, home front and who didn't go to war and who didn't have some tragic, ill-fated, uh, larger-than-life romance, you know, that's playing out on, on the silver screen. like, <laughs> what were they doing? Most people weren't doing that, unfortunately. They were just trying to get by day-to-day. But those are really cool stories as well.
1: Yeah. That is interesting. I like this yeah. kind of stories as well. And it's like a – because I feel like a lot of – especially in that era, it's a lot of, like, soldiers or, like, policemen or, like right. like, yeah. like, people in positions of authority, which I'm like, that wouldn't have been me. So exactly. I'm, like, less
2: attracted to that story. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, I wouldn't have – fired a gun during world no, war ii no. that's not me but yeah. i would have been like the nerd who's writing the political you know propaganda you are you. writing yeah <laughs> so where are those people i want to know what they do. i feel
0: like it's deeply driven by dad marketing yeah yeah, yeah there's, there's a dad, dad out there that's the market like market i would have shot a gun i need to know all about well, he it would have.
1: i mean he would not have shot the gun he might not have there's a lot of a lot of dads <laughs> a lot of dads yes. heavy war <laughs> really? dad heavy war what do you read if you're if you, if you if you were to pick a historical fiction what would you pick like like what era a time period
2: oh that's a good question i i tend to read i used to read a lot of historical fiction that's set like during ancient roman time i went yeah. through a real like ancient greek and rome phase. yeah did you
0: read uh cersei and song of achilles i did by, oh my uh, god
2: they're so good madeline,
0: madeline miller Ooh, fuck, so good that shit will fuck you up <laughs> yeah, i didn't think about that being historical fiction it totally well it's, it is though yeah 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 I reason, besides I'm like sorry. the gods you
2: know. the gods yeah yeah, right. it definitely yeah. really toes that line, though. Yeah, it, it definitely does. toes the line.
1: That, well, that's what I wanted to talk about, about the things that I'm like, is this historical fiction or is this taking too many liberties? That that was we sort will, of my... We'll, we'll, get, to we'll get to that it. part. Okay. What about you, Bria? Um, I love American history. I have a master's in American history, which is super useless unless I'm reading a book that's historical fiction, pretty much. So I do read a lot of American history-based historical fiction i love the 30s through the 50s my thesis was on sort of like more uh late 1800s early 1900s i actually did a lot with um like the anarchist movement in the 19 teens that was like sort of one of my uh focuses in in grad school but um i so i like reading stuff in that era i think because i know about it because i'm like oh well i already know what's happening so i don't have to do a lot of research and it's already in your head yeah which i think is like that interesting like Thing, anytime I'm reading a book about, about that era, I will want to reach for another book about that era because I feel like it definitely like, is already there and then I'm just, like, kind of building on that knowledge. Yeah. But then I will go read stuff about, like, especially other countries that I know way less about and, like, find yeah. stuff that I'm like, I literally know nothing about, like, Ghana in the 1800s and, like, yeah. will go and read a book about it. And I feel like it's, like, a nice learning experience. So it's sort of, like... Yeah. I kind of run the gamut when it comes
0: to, like, what I actually end up picking up. There's nothing,
1: like, super specific. What about you? I'm
0: really nerdy about Irish history. Uh, My last name's O'Mara, so I'm, like, have you guys ever seen that movie, uh, The Quiet Man? No. John Wayne yeah. in the beginning of the movie he's like he's a his his family's Irish but he grows up in America and he like talks about how his mom always talked about Ireland as if it was like this magical place. It's kind of like how my family is so like I grew up being very curious about Irish history, uh, especially the 1916 rebellion. Uh, I love rebel movements, like, in any any sort of historical fiction. I love sticking it to the man in every country. and I, like, I, So if there's, like, any sort of historical fiction story that's, like, about a group of people, like, trying to overthrow something, I'm very interested in that. But, I like, Ireland specifically, I'll pick up, like, any novel set in Ireland in any time period, actually. Um, anything by Frank Delaney or Morgan Llewellyn. Uh, the Wonder by Emma Donahue really. Oh, yeah. Oh, that book was so good. I've never I, read it. It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, same. Oh, it's really... I actually read it when I went to Ireland last year. Oh, yeah. It's a nice... It, but it felt like that because it's a, the story about a little girl who doesn't eat. And so, <laughs> so it's a hard book to read because you're like, oh, I can't eat this sandwich. Yeah, I'm so guilty. <laughs> so so guilty. Funny. I'm so sorry. Like, you feel like you have to be along. <laughs> you shouldn't feel like that about your protagonist. No, <laughs> You'll feel bad. You, you read this, you'll feel bad, bad for this little girl. Um, but yeah, so basically anything Irish. Um, but I, I do love historical fiction. I like... Um, I'll pick up almost anything because it's like it's it's not something i want to read all the time because i do feel it like requires a little more extra reading muscle because you're like all right i'm learning a bunch of shit right now yeah but when it's so immersive that when you're really in it you're like oh this is great it's like being sunk into something it's just i love it so well speaking of evan as an author so what's the research like for historical fiction book is it like the pressure on to be accurate what are like how much is like do you go into it going all right this i'm gonna take this many liberties like i mean are your characters based on like Tell us about what that process is like.
2: Yeah, so in the case of the ventriloquists, it was kind of a weird process. So the book actually grew out of research that I had done already um, because I I was writing my thesis um, back when I was a a college student at Berkeley, and the thesis was on basically resistance movements and how um, underground organizations throughout the world have used underground media and secret literature more specifically, to wage rebellions and to survive under occupation. And so I was doing some research for that, and I came across this document that was written by the U.S. War Office after World War II, basically dissecting how a bunch of European resistance movements use underground literature. And there was just like this little line that said this Belgian resistance group uh, printed over 50,000 copies of a secret newspaper in in just 18 days and then it just moved on to the next thing and i was like hold up i want to <laughs> what do you mean like i never learned about this yeah. what is this um so i did a little bit more digging and i i started to kind of piece together the story of the ventriloquist but because a this unfolded in just 18 days so nobody was sitting around like creating documentation right, that's, right you right. know
0: They're like we're too busy for that right exactly
2: <laughs> um and b you know like most of these people didn't survive. I don't think that's a spoiler to say right. that. Um, there isn't a lot out there about this. So we kind no. of know the broad strokes of this caper, but we don't know many of the little individual details that I got to fill in. But a lot of the characters are real. Uh, the overall story is real. And, um A lot of the specific incidents of how they did it are real.
1: And why did they have to create it in 18 days? That may be a dumb question. No, that's
2: not a dumb question at all. Um, The reason why is because they wanted to do it on the anniversary of the German defeat in World War I. Because they wanted this to be like, we we beat them once like look at us we can do it again uh even if it's with words we can still punch punch the Nazis we fight with words right exactly (laughs) so that's why and and that just happens to be when this guy uh Mark Aubryon who was the architect of the scheme thought of it and he was like oh crap I can I think I can get this done by the time the anniversary rolls around and he did
1: and so do you spend a lot of time at the library or is it it's a lot of microfiche what's going on I
2: love that. I like a microfiche. You just wanted to say microfiche. I did. Yeah. I wanted to
1: sound intelligent
2: because
1: now I'm a blonde lady who lives in LA. So it's like, I never seem to sound intelligent and but I feel like you just got to drop
0: down the fact that you have a master's in American history. I think that's a big secret.
2: I don't know. I would advertise it. You
0: get a t-shirt Yeah, right. Exactly. You're one of the smartest people I know.
1: I doubt right.
2: no
0: yeah.
1: that. I seriously doubt that. I don't know. So do you become best friends with a librarian? How does, how, what happens
0: um
2: you know we <laughs> get, get friendship bracelets mm-hmm. made right yeah, yeah, like, exactly i mean that's uh, where i'm at so <laughs> i'm
0: a, as a nonfiction writer me in the library we have carved our name our initials into a tree right together. yeah
2: it's really funny because when i was thinking about going to grad school to do this like officially one of my professors was like do you like books more than people <laughs> and i'm a little bit ashamed at how easy it was for me to answer that so like, question no, which like was? i didn't even Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow, well, you're on the right yes. podcast. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you found your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing about The Ventriloquist is I was writing it mostly when I was a broke college student and then shortly after college when I was just like working a bunch of part-time tutoring jobs and trying to get my book off the ground. So I didn't have the the time and resources to really do a lot of, you know, I'm going to go seek out this archive at this library or whatever. So a lot of what I ended up doing was just online Um, And I didn't get to look at a lot of primary source documents, which I wish I would have. And now I'm like really wishing I could go to Belgium and see these places that I wrote about, um, which is how I would – you know do the next historical fiction novel you can still novel. make that happen you oh still yeah, go to yeah oh yeah absolutely it's, <laughs> it's still there it's, it's not, still there like it
1: hasn't broken off it's <laughs> no floated. no
2: i mean i don't know where belgium is can it float <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's where my education is but that's floats. because we grew up in america <laughs>
0: right exactly uh, so you knew the broad strokes of all this mm-hmm. stuff but you're filling in a bunch of things how did you did you just read a bunch of like how did you fill in the flavor of like these characters and like their everyday lives like all that interesting stuff that we just talked about they're actually really interested in like you know what were they doing Every day, like what was that day to day life like? How did you get that flavor?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of the time, I just read about the Belgian resistance, and and I couldn't read about these specific characters. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of books out there on like the experience of the Belgian underground, and and I read a lot of those. Um, another thing that I did to kind of get the flavor of Belgium and and understand the texture of Brussels was, and this is going to sound funny, but it's totally useful. Um I used Google Maps and Google Earth. Um wow. Yeah, and I would just scroll street by street. Oh, that's great though. And that's do, genius. like little walking tours. Yeah, yeah. And that was super helpful because you could see like little people and you know in the in the streets and the buildings wow. and the architecture and it really helped me absorb the texture of the city. Um but other than that it was just this weird process because I didn't know a lot about these people to do this like backward induction where I would pick up a, a nonfiction book or so or something on like Google Scholar, and I would see you know a reference to one of these people that's just like in passing. um Like a lot of a lot of documents mentioned that Mark Aubryon, the guy who wrote the newspaper, was aided by a youth partisan, but nobody ever said like who this kid was <laughs> and how old he was or she a was a youth, <laughs> a youth. And so I knew there was a youth, and, and so then it was up to me to be like. I'm going to give this youth a name yeah. and a backstory, and really <laughs> flush them out as so a
1: person. So yeah. that dead youth, that that, that ghost youth. of that youth, is really like thanking you for that. <laughs> I <laughs> hope so.
2: <laughs> Stoked, youth.
0: Stoked, <laughs> youth. So, what are some historical fiction books that you love, Bria?
1: Um, I had to think of this. Well, I'm reading City of Girls right now, which is very good. Yes. Um, which is a historical fiction. Um, a book I read last year that really I really moved me in a way in that I loved was Home. Uh, hum- Homegoing, homegoing, not homecoming. Yeah, homegoing. homegoing by Yah ja, uh, Jesse, and it it really changed my life. It is about I mean I brought up Ghana. It is it's about Ghana and two twins who lived there, and then um, one was sold into slavery, and one married a slaver, and then it just goes through generation by generation, where it was like, and this is what their their sons were like, and this is what their grandsons were like, and this is what their great granddaughters were like, you know, and so it's sort of like the like how these two huge life events changed them. One obviously ended up with a little better situation, but then also things weren't as great for her too because she also ended up marrying a slaver and moving to America and it wasn't that great and the different ways they came to America, which obviously were very different. Um, that book was incredible. It was such an interesting historical fiction book and I learned so much mm-hmm. with it because you just like, every chapter is a new person so you sort of like get to oh, see a different generation. That's interesting. Um, and how, and it's a different time period, which is fascinating. Um, But then... Okay, there's there's a couple books that I was like, is this historical fiction? It's time to play. Is this historical historical fiction? fiction. So, for example, Lincoln the Lincoln in the Bardo. Yeah, historical fiction. But it is there is a bunch of ghosts telling the story. It is ghosts
0: are telling are are the narrators. I feel like you can be kind of uh, loosey goosey with the fiction part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's another. Really big swing. Also, I was going to say, if you believe that ghosts are real, then, then it's totally it's, yeah, then they it's they actually just... historical
1: facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I loved that book. I thought it was really well written, super interesting about this really this one incident in Lincoln's life. But then it does a bunch of historical fiction stuff. And then you get to know these ghosts, which is great. That's what um, we're
0: really in this for. But there's, the there's a book
1: I loved called The Other Einstein. Mm-hmm, um, about his wife. About his wife, which we actually don't know that much about her. But we do know that she was... Also, like a physicist, a scientist of some sort. Smarter than he was. That's what the book tells you that she was, and if she had been a man and hadn't had like all these children and hadn't been married to an asshole, then like she would have, you know, been this huge like person. But we don't know that information. We actually don't know that much misogyny, right? We just don't know that much about her. So it's sort of it's it's a fictionalized biography, sort of. I would totally call that interesting. Yeah, I think so. It's great. It makes you really like. You just really feel like you feel for her, but a lot of it is based sort of on like what this author sort of learned about her, but doesn't know it's not not it's not based on true stuff i get it's a little bit like your youth. It's about. I thought youth. you meant my youth. <laughs> your youth. <first thing. laughs> I don't know. When I never I think it's like your youth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You, you,
2: I you were mar- Still in You were married to Einstein. Right. <laughs> you you know? That's true. Then then you had that all
1: that those kids. kids. You were businesses It's That <laughs>
0: common experience we all have growing up when you get married <laughs> to Einstein. Right. like You can't relate. You know that's how it all goes out. No, the youth of your book. Right.
1: The youth. It's a little like that where we don't know that much about her but this but the author so i loved that book and then books like that that sort of take these people that we don't know that much about and sort of go here's more about what this could have been like yeah i guess so it's not it's not unnamed people it's actually like named people like it's actual like people from the world that they're just like extrapolating about what their lives might have been like what about you what are are you like
0: uh oh like i said before i love sarah waters i love uh, anything she writes i will read she's the best um I think Tipping the Velvet is my favorite. It's so it's this coming of age novel uh, in England. It's an eighteen. It starts in like 1890. It's about this girl who falls in love with a male impersonator. So yeah. this is like back in like the old timey vaudeville stage days. Days and like one of a popular act was like when a girl would dress up as like. dress dress up like a guy and like wear like a fake mustache and this girl falls in love with her and ends up sort of like getting she gets into the profession herself but she in like goes to follow this girl and it's not a very healthy relationship i will say very good examination of all of that um and it's just like this sprawling interesting novel and like she meets this other girl who's like pushing for the women's vote in england so there's like a lot of cool feminist stuff that happens so i think like I'm really into historical fiction about like badass ladies doing things. Uh (laughs) Like, um, uh, The Fair Fight by Anna Freeman about, um, I think it's around the same time period about this girl who's born in a brothel and she, they, they deem her too ugly to be a sex worker. Wow. So wow. she rude. ends up be- rude. Yeah. <laughs> but she ends up becoming a bare knuckle boxer instead. Wow. Whoa. And she, like you do. she so yeah, done. I know. Right. <laughs> and She ends up becoming the, the boxing tutor of this like lady. uh who wants to fight and oh, it's incredible. It's super fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I love when a book sort of like gets me interested in a time period through characters uh, like Crooked Heart by Lyssa Evans is a great book. Uh, it's about the Blitz in Lon- London in World War II when, you know, when they sent out all – it's like kind of like pa- the beginning of Paddington when, you know, they sent out all the kids. Paddington. Bear the bear movie. Oh, I haven't seen this movie. Oh, okay. I, I saw it recently. It's so like
1: a talking bear. So actually you, saw cute. It. you love a talking bear. I
0: love a talking bear. <laughs> I heard it was good. I heard it was good. Maybe it's, a,
1: it it's, feels like a plane movie. Uh, it is a plane movie yes uh, but it'll make me cry on the plane probably it didn't
0: make me cry it okay. didn't
1: make me cry either yeah. okay. you no
0: know, you're fine uh but it's part of the the story is like the they what they do with the, the bear, this bear gets sent to london because um there's of this tradition that his bear family finds out about during <laughs> i love bears <laughs> uh when kids in Lo- during the blitz in london world war Two, kids in london were sent out to the countryside to be safe and like, they just like were sent out and strangers strangers would like pick them up and take care of them and so the bear family sends them to London. I like, got oh, People
2: take care of you. Um, but it's the- secretly like this brilliant manifesto about immigration. Yeah. Oh. It's
0: fantastic. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty good. Um, but in this book, Crooked Heart, so this boy gets sent out, um, to the London countryside and he gets picked up by this woman who's like kind of a con, con artist. And the only reason she agreed to take this kid is because she, so she can get the government to turn him the- into a bear. Yeah, I- no. Exactly. <laughs> she turns- her goal is to turn him Don't into a, a boiler. <laughs> 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 I'm confusing the things. <laughs> uh, So she she basically makes her living off of conning people and scamming people, and she thinks that, oh, I'll just take in this kid and get the money from the government every month, but then she ends up realizing that she can use him to help in her scams. Ooh, yeah. Uh, It's super fun. It sounds
2: great. What is that called?
0: Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans. It's really cute. Um and because of that, I'm like, oh, now I'm, like, interested in this because it's, like, like Evan, like you said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people talk about during World War II. But I'm, like, very interested in the lives of, like, these kids who were just, like, sent out into the countryside to just, like, live with strangers for, exactly while their home was being bombed. Yeah. Like, really, really fascinated. So I think that's what, that's what I get really excited about during historical fiction is I think it's a great way to get interested in a time period through characters that you love. What
1: about you? Do you have, you, have, you have historical fiction books you want to? Recommend for folks.
2: So while we're playing, is this historical fiction? Okay. Yes, historical fiction. We're ready.
0: You're gonna win a car. Um, but it's LA, so it's gonna be a Prius, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly. It's a good car. Let's yeah, go drive a Prius. Yeah. Awesome. that's how you could tell that we're all actually. That's gonna be my
2: next car. Prius. <laughs> nice.
0: Um,
2: yeah. So I, I recently read this uh amazing translation of The Odyssey. Oh, oh.
0: by Emily Emily Wilson. Wilson. Yes. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I'd read previous translations of The Odyssey before, and so I I wasn't necessarily expecting much to be different, but it completely blew my mind. Uh, And the reason for that is there are two things that I really like about her approach. One is that she doesn't try to take this prose and dress it up in overly fancy language. A lot of the Mm. previous translators were like, oh, this is this great epic, you know, we must – used these huge grandiose words that nobody would have used when they were actually reciting the odyssey because it was meant to be spoken aloud um and so she puts it in very plain stark everyday words and i found that kind of oddly touching that i was relating to these you know mythical heroes that i'd known about ever since i was a kid um, And it, the other interesting thing is that this is a translation from a female translator. This, that's the first one, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so to kind of read about these experiences from her lens it, is just really fascinating and touching and feels kind of revolutionary to me. So, is this historical fiction? I would say
0: that straddles the line between like classic and historical fiction. I mean, it's the Mm. same with Cersei. I mean, if you like, I mean, like you guys were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take out the Cyclops and you're just basically (laughs) like, that's
1: how it is. I mean, and and, and, I mean, not
0: to get into this, but
1: isn't history is, you know, it's just stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it was that long ago. I mean, who really knows? Who really does know? You know, like, it's written stories written by people who were there, but may not necessarily. I don't know. Like, history, history
0: history <laughs> history is uh i mean it's very subjective, it's subjective. it is oh that's why i'm uh, excited my friend maria devana headley is translating beowulf oh, oh i think it's gonna be the first female translation of beowulf oh, oh that's amazing uh but that's coming out i think next year i'm really excited about it um because i think it's cool to like you know a, a look at that stuff through a female lens but also look at history and, like talk about it in modern terms right yeah especially for stuff like that that's so you know it's in the oral tradition like you said people wouldn't be sitting there like like popping out the the thesaurus to to write things down no yeah exactly yeah like yeah oh because it's meant to be it's designed like for people to
1: listen
2: to right yeah, yeah. yeah. this was like basically their avengers like people right, would just right. sit around and listen to the bard <laughs> talk about the odyssey it. is <laughs> your
1: avengers exactly
0: incredible <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of who would be who <laughs> i guess right oh is definitely iron man yeah
2: yeah yeah that, that tracks so it does it, yeah uh, like hulk tracks. cyclops yeah oh uh, yeah this, this maps like wow. way better it's, than it's,
0: i thought it's really <laughs> <laughs> fan art people uh, listeners yeah, with I, reading glasses please get on this yeah. uh, this is a great opportunity uh so you can send your thoughts on historical fiction or reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we solve the reading problem we're
2: gonna take a quick break hi i'm dave hill from show business And while I'm not from Canada, my grandfather Clarence Vincent Blake
0: Sr. was, and he wouldn't shut up about it. My grandfather moved on to that great penalty box in the sky way back in the 80s. Still, all these years later, I can't help but wonder, what do we really know about Canada and its people? Which is why my friend Chris Gersbeck and I decided to make, So, You're Canadian brand new podcast from the Maximum Fun Network, on which I attempt to get to know our neighbors to the north, one Canadian at a time. Coming to Maximum Fun, August 27th. And I'm not sorry. time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners pat writes in as part of my book club i have read some books that i not only loathe but that i strongly believe have ideas that are harmful to have out in the world think really really distorted theology i don't want to keep them i don't want to give them away you know, harmful ideas, yet I have a hard time destroying books. Is there a solution other than the recycle bin? Bria, what should Pat do?
1: What is this book club? I know. Club?
0: Extremely interested. The fascist
1: book club? What is happening? He's like, <laughs> i never going
0: to tell you I'm part of Satan's book club. Like, it's like, I mean, Satan's book club would be better than what he's That's saying. True. That's, That's true. what I don't understand. When I,
1: I read this, I was like, who? What? I mean, maybe they're specifically reading, like, books by I, I like there's college classes like this where they're like books by fascists you know right, like like right like, or maybe like, it's
0: like a political book club dictator- where they oh, maybe things from all over the map hmm. oh, yeah, I could think that of. sounds
2: maybe likely
0: yeah I don't, I don't
2: know, know but I
1: am I am fascinated and need a follow-up information about they need more fu-
0: more information well, our yeah. friends ross and carrie from oh no ross and carrie yeah. they go to the skeptics book club and i'm sure mm. they have read some things that are a little wonky so maybe yeah maybe it's something like this yeah it's crazy pat if you need help just yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll
1: yeah. raise, raise a flag so we know to come to your table um uh first of all i think from in the future uh in the future pat should probably get these books from the library
2: Yes. Because then you don't have to buy them. That's a good point. You know, and then you aren't
1: gonna have them on your shelves and you're not you don't have to deal with this problem. And they have them at the library and I will argue they should have them at the library because I think they should be accessible. I don't think you have to own them, but I think they should be accessible for learning. I think we you know, you learn from bullshit
0: like yes. this yeah You're actually doing. i will i will chime in to say that after the episode where we talked about that how lot like it's good to get these books from the library and they should be accessible a listener wrote in to say that he works at a library and they had just recently gotten in a bunch of 1930s nazi propaganda and some of the librarians thought they should burn it and the other they ultimately ended up deciding to keep them because they're like we don't want to forget that this
2: happened yeah exactly yeah and especially now I, I was to say yeah. i would have used that yeah yeah, no, yeah not yeah, for yes. anything nefarious like- <laughs> right right but just like that would have been some interesting color and accuracy to add to this book yeah and again
0: we don't want to forget that that the, the, these people are out there right right, right. yeah hundred percent um okay but pat already owns these books
1: so i will say you can definitely recycle them i would say recycle them i feel like we have this um <laughs> we have this like we can't throw away we can't throw away a book because it's book like is a sacred object yeah right. like and it's and i understand because i actually have a similar feeling about books like when I, I it feels weird to just throw them right in the garbage yeah or recycle them but um i looked into like uh whether or not you can recycle them in la and you can but some of them you have to remove. Like where we are, you actually have to remove the hardbacks. You have to remove the the cover because they can't do the cover. Oh wow! And you sometimes have to remove the binding depending on your city. And all you do. I had to recycle a bunch of random shit recently, and you can go to your recycler and like be like, "I have this shit. Can you take this shit?" And right. they'll be like, "Yes, we can," and or "No, we can't." And yeah. either way, they take it. And so it's like you can actually just go to these books to your local recycler or call them. They're actually way more helpful than you. It's not as bureaucratic as you think. For at least not in LA, which is shocking because everything is bureaucratic here. I was on the phone with Spectrum yesterday for an hour. Oh, so God. like that alone. <laughs>
2: Don't Sean get me started laughing. on Spectrum. Sean is
1: laughing because he knows the Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah spectrum are nightmare people and it's most the moment there's no
0: is comcast the moment there's new internet provider no. in la
1: i'm going they have a monopoly right now and you can't have anyone else anyway um so i'm gonna say recycle look into your local recycling uh facility and see what they can do but from in the future like yeah, i'm gonna say don't get these books like yeah. you don't have to get them go to the library yeah
2: What what do y'all think That's where I come down to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I totally get the discomfort with destroying a book, but I think the thing to keep in mind is that Crappy ideas are crappy ideas. They don't stop being that the second they're written down. Right.
1: That's actually a <laughs> solid point. <laughs>
2: yeah. And like, if you recycle them, they might become better books. Yeah. Or so, a,
1: or a cereal box. Right. Or like, yeah. you know Like something or that's literally useful. anything. Right. Like something more useful. Or you know, you get buy something that's like these shoes are made of recycled paper. You're like, hell yeah, recycle. This could be. I'm stomping around a on Nazi fascism, bottle. right, right. motherfucker. You're literally
0: stomping fascism. How cool is that? No, actually, it was funny is I think this is uh, it's funny that we're all united on this and I just think that like you need maybe i think pat needs to think of this as you're rescuing that book right now Ooh. you're rescuing so, that paper that yeah. wood. Well, that's what i mean the wood pulp is stuck is trapped in it's not want, <laughs> no tree wants to be a nazi okay <laughs> no tree grows up like that rescue that tree pat so i think you just think of yourself as a book wizard you know oh. you're not you know if, even if it doesn't become a book like you said it could be something literally anything else that isn't doing active harm to the world you're you're not destroying a book you're diffusing it Ooh, there also, i like, like that
1: that's true there's also possibly Pat should look into my mother is big into book art and she would probably say even if it's like a shitty book she could use like the words some of the words and stuff in it yeah. so there might be like if there is blackout like,
0: poetry a yeah, ransom blackout note
1: poetry, a, a ransom note there yeah. we go like there's, there is probably you got a resistance resistance fighter in <laughs> here
0: <laughs> Evan's already planning like, <laughs> like, can you send them to me Pat so I can use them for my my over for overthrowing the government like, yeah <laughs> get
2: some underground literature in here exactly exactly yeah. I
0: do think there other uses for it but maybe an art school i the only thing about
1: taking it to an art school is that like they may not want it like an art like yeah a, and that that was my other thoughts so yeah. like art if there's like a book art school or the, some you sort could of
0: line a hamster cage with it oh that's a good one it's like all, oh like, think of use use that paper for all kinds of stuff i don't know yeah i'm not very crafty so <laughs> yeah I, I thought about that briefly but pat i can't help you i i
1: think we're all on the same page to yeah. recycle yeah recycle recycling good for yes. the environment you're gonna make like some some you know box out of it. What do you make? Right. Recycled paper. I don't. I truly don't even know. More paper. They make more paper out of recycled paper, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I
0: buy notebooks with. Um, have you ever seen those decomposition? Oh books? yeah. Uh-huh. All, they have cool covers. Yeah. 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 I wrote uh, the first. My that was my first uh, notebook for my first book. Oh, oh hey, there, there we go. People cool. like you, Pat, made it made authors happy with <laughs> wow. We've really turned it around for Pat in this, in this discussion, yeah. Pat. You are a dream, <laughs> you're just doing a great job. I, but yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is Pat really needs to just accept that this the book is not actually a sacred object as much as we all revere them and feel like they are, but it's really not, especially if it's full of like garbage ideas. Mm-hmm. It's not. You can you know, and even if it was sacred, think of how fucking powerful you are, Pat. Mm-hmm. Taking that sacred garbage object and putting it in the recycling and giving change. it to a young author to write in her decomposition <laughs> notebook about. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> so Pat. Funny. You just need to have a, you just need to rethink some things. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to Reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And Evan, where can we find you online and where can we buy your book?
2: Uh, you can find me online on all social media. I'm I'm ER support on uh, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit me at com, and you can buy my book anywhere books are sold, but please buy it from your local indie bookstore because I want to keep those alive. I really like those.
0: Yay! And So as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun Store. There's a link in the show notes. You can help us feed our cats and look sexy as hell. Uh, And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. We are currently almost to 750 reviews it's very what? exciting i know we're gonna be watching that we'll do something exciting i don't know we haven't decided what something uh, exciting get ready for it it's really great for us it helps us reach more readers if it, it takes 30 seconds so if you're listening and you want to do something nice for us that doesn't cost any money take a minute out of your day to give us a, a review on itunes and if you don't use itunes i don't know I don't know what to say to you now. Tell your pals about reading yeah. glasses. <laughs> tell uh, your iTunes using friends. Yes, <laughs> uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readingg on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.
2: MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
2: Audience supported.